91.3 KBCS, Music and Ideas, listener-supported radio from Bellevue College. Next, how does Cambodia pick up the pieces and reawaken culture after a genocide? Lauren Ida is an artist and curates work from Open Studio Cambodia, an artist collective based in Siem Reap. She founded this collective in 2018, and it mentors, represents, and provides supplies and communal studio and gallery space to a small group of local contemporary artists. I spoke with Ida at the Vestibule in Ballard, where Open Studio Cambodia Artists' Work is featured through December 17th in the exhibit Starting to Work Again, Contemporary Cambodian Art. Cambodia went through a terrible genocide in the 1970s, so 1975 through 1979, plus um, many years of civil war afterwards. Pol Pot was trying to create an agrarian society where educated people, free thinkers, creative people, including visual artists, performing artists, musicians, um, were specifically targeted for execution. That leaves Cambodia with a seriously diminished elder generation of artists of any kind. And a lot of the artists who did survive fled to other countries and haven't returned, or there's like a whole missing generation of artists. And so it's really interesting now because Cambodia is sort of, it's not really re-envisioning, it's like envisioning for the first time almost what contemporary Cambodian art looks like for them right now. Without an older generation to kind of lead the way, it's really fascinating and unique because it's a lot of young people who are just trying out creativity. They're just being creative and figuring it out as they go, what it means to have the identity of a Cambodian contemporary artist. So it's a very interesting time in Cambodia. It's really exciting to watch the development of the art scene there. In 2018, I founded Open Studio Cambodia basically because I noticed that a lot of the contemporary Cambodian artists I work with were having problems taking their artistic talents to a professional level because of various logistical reasons. So number one being a lot of them didn't speak English. So it was really hard for them to communicate with potential buyers from other countries and also with gallerists in the bigger cities. Because I speak Khmer enough, I was able to bridge that gap for them. I also noticed that a lot of young, talented artists didn't have money to frame their artwork or transport their artwork or to buy high-quality art-making materials or even that there weren't those materials available in Cambodia for purchase. So I asked artist friends and donors and volunteers from around the world to donate art supplies. I made a collective studio space available for them in the living room of my rental house and provided them with things like dry, safe storage space for their finished artwork. And then I started to look at exhibition opportunities for them around Cambodia and internationally. So now, mostly I work with five Cambodian contemporary artists who are based in Siem Reap and Battambang, Cambodia. And we have exhibited around the world, including in 2019, the artists of Open Studio Cambodia exhibited in Paris at Gallery Lee. This year earlier, in the year, we had an exhibition of my work with one of the artists, Mwanchia, at the Denver McNichols Civic Center. This section are all pieces by Mwanchia, who is primarily a printmaker. So he was already drawing and painting and singing and dancing through a nonprofit organization in Kampot, Cambodia, called Epic Arts, 
before I met him in 2018, um, but I taught him how to do block printing. So block printing is not a very popular art form in Cambodia, and a lot of the materials are not available readily in Cambodia. So he has had a lot of support from Open Studio and volunteers and donors over the years, and he's done really, really well for himself and his art career. Monchi is about 31 years old now, and about 11, 12 years ago, he was working as a construction worker, and he lost both of his arms due to electrical shock. So he was very depressed, he was suicidal, um, he was sort of shunned from his friend community, his family still supported him, but he was definitely uh, suffering from a lot of depression about his disability and not being able to work and support his family anymore. First through Epic Arts and then through Open Studio Cambodia and through his visual art making, he was able to redefine what it means to be a disabled person in Cambodia for himself and kind of attempt to overcome a lot of the stigma associated with being physically disabled in Cambodia. Physically disabled people in Cambodia are not expected to marry or have gainful employment. They're not expected to own land or drive motorbikes or anything like that, you know, contributing to society, contributing to their family, and Wanchia has overcome all of those things and uh, really taken his art, like followed his art career into another level of success that he could not have imagined before. This piece here, he has painted himself as a butterfly because he always says that art has given him wings and before he felt like he couldn't go anywhere, he couldn't see anything, he couldn't shine, but now he feels like a butterfly, like he's gone through a metamorphosis into something beautiful and free and strong. How does he work with the tools? Um, Chia uses his elbows to hold the chisel um, he, and the pencil and the paintbrush. So he draws first and then he chisels um, linoleum blocks and he's moving into wood blocks now. So he just completed a wood block piece that's three and a half feet wide, rectangular, that he chisels himself with special wood chisels. And then he paints on top of some of his block prints. So like this one here with the acrylic paint on top is one of a kind. He just completed his first public art uh, project in Denver, Colorado through the Denver Theater District earlier this year. And then we have a mural planned for him in Seattle coming up soon too. Um, I can explain. Yeah, I can tell you about some of Kim San's work, okay. if you want. So Kim San is, a, is an elder painter. He's the oldest artist in our group. When he was a boy, he fled Cambodia with his mother after most of his family was killed during the Khmer Rouge genocide. Uh, he grew up mostly in Khao Idang, which is one of the main refugee camps for Khmer Rouge survivors, which is located in Thailand. He lived there with his mother and his brothers as a boy, and then his brothers were recruited back into the army when the Civil War continued. He has a physical disability in his leg from polio when he was a really young child before the genocide, and so he wasn't recruited. and that actually gave him the opportunity to stay in the um, refugee camp and learn how to paint from some of the international volunteers that were there through the uh, UNHCR and other organizations. So he spent many, many years honing his craft and he paints these absolutely beautiful oil paintings 
of his experiences growing up in the refugee camp. In this painting, we can see that he's painted a group of children who are distributing tinned uh, fish, so cans of fish. And this one, we can see a group of people moving from one place to another, presumably from Cambodia to Thailand with their belongings on their back. This one is the early childhood and mother center inside the refugee camp, so like the birthing center and the place where the young children would go to get their health checked. So Kim San's um, artistic talents are completely unknown in Cambodia. He spent his life painting the ancient temples of Angkor Wat for tourists. He sells a 18 by 24 inch painting for about $25. And he lives in very serious poverty. And so what I've done for the last three years since I met him is offer to just purchase whatever paintings he creates about Khao Idang or anything that he wants to paint about, but something personal. And that's how I support him. So I try to meet the artists on their level and try to work with them in the way that's best for them because of his trauma and his disability and his age and his family and poverty situation he wouldn't be able to complete enough artwork for an exhibition on a tight schedule within the parameters of a fine art gallery. I just have a standing offer for him. So I'm collecting personally all of his paintings and I'm not selling them. I sell prints of his paintings to support him further financially, um, but I don't sell any of the originals of his paintings because I'm looking for somewhere to eventually donate all of them to a museum or somewhere where the Cambodian diaspora can enjoy them permanently and they'll be safe because I feel like his paintings are really, really important for the Cambodian story. What does $25 mean in terms of what you can do with it in, in Cambodia? If you, say, have been to Cambodia and went to Angkor Wat and you saw something and, it was, and you got it for $25, $25 is not very much money even in Cambodia. For uh, original painting, it's nothing. To give you some context, a garment factory worker in Cambodia earns $190 per month for six days a week work. I appreciate how you talk about how this is so important to the community. Is it less common to see pieces of, say, refugee camp lifestyle? Yeah, so Kim San, this was a really interesting experience starting to work with Kim San. I was introduced to him through one of his former students who was another artist I was working with for a while. Kim San didn't appreciate his own artistic skills before he started painting about his own life, and he could only afford to paint about his own life because I offered to buy all of his artwork that he made, all of his paintings that he made about his own story, there is no market for painting like this in Cambodia. So his painting peers, the other people who are painting nearby him, ridicule him for painting about his own life. They don't understand why he would, quote unquote, waste his time, you know, painting about these, you know, sad, historical events when he could be painting Angkor Wat and selling them for $25, $25, $25 on the side of the road. But Kim San 
luckily really values and appreciates high quality painting. And he learned in Thailand a long time ago and has really like taken it seriously his whole life and feels cheapened by the tourist market for Angkor Wat paintings. And so he sees the value in it and I see the value in it. And so anyway, I'm hoping that his collection will be enjoyed outside of Cambodia for future generations to know the stories. And I also take video and written documentation of every story for each painting um, with certificates of authenticity for him and receipts for payment and everything so that we can document everything really well. What do you want to talk about? Uh, we can talk about Chavorn next. Mm -hmm. Van work is acrylic painting and he also came to me with a um, sort of a timidness about painting about his own life. So he is a graduate of Far Ponlu Selpak Art School in Batambang. Van Chavorn was lucky to be able to study there and became a very talented painter. But he was still unable to see the value in his own story. He was brought to me by another friend who was also an artist and sort of looking for new ideas and to connect with a new community of people. And that was in 2019. Since then, he's painted at least three different bodies of work that are all referencing or directly about his experience being enslaved as a fisherman on a boat in the Gulf of Thailand. So when he was in his late teens, early 20s, he was sold by his stepfather into slavery. He was forced across the border, it was very dangerous, and then he spent two and a half years literally doing forced labor on a boat in the Gulf of Thailand that was extremely dangerous. And he almost lost his life many, many times to violence between the other workers, between his captors and him and the other workers, to sharks, drowning. I mean, he has been through so many horrific traumas. And he paints about those things with so much symbolism and beauty and just a very, very unique style. His excitement and enthusiasm for sharing his story is growing all the time as he gets more confidence about what he's doing. And I'm really, really proud of him. So like that, this, these eyeballs, what looks like eyeballs in these two paintings are like the ever watchful eye of the the bosses of the boat. This piece here is called Liberation and it's about when he helped 15 Cambodians who were at that moment being coerced onto a slave fishing boat escape by telling them what was going on and they all ran and he risked his life to save those 15 men from the same fate that he had just escaped. Chavon was also born into a refugee camp, so his father also was killed in the Khmer Rouge genocide. He was a soldier, he was killed by a landmine. And his mother raised him in the, a different refugee camp in Thailand than Kim San, it's called Sai Tu. Chavon grew up with his mom in the camp and then came back to Cambodia, had this terrible adventure on the fishing boat and then uh, was able to study at Far Ponlu Selpak, where he studied art for four years. And only after he had finished studying art for four years, his mom finally admitted that his father was a 
full-time fine artist before the genocide because his mother didn't want him to become an artist because artists don't make very much money in Cambodia and tried to steer him in other directions, but he always found his way back to art. And so he was really, really, really touched, of course, to find out that his father was an artist. That was Lauren Ida speaking with me about the artists and artwork featured at the vestibule through December 17th in the exhibit Starting to Work Again, Contemporary Cambodian Art. For more KBCS stories and to support our work with a donation, you can visit kbcs.fm.